What started me on the path of conceiving my higher power was humility. Once I started having that humility and humbling myself daily, that is when I could allow that light of God back into my body and into my life. Welcome to the Daily Reflection Podcast. Today is January 15th and we've got a guest in. Erin R. shares her experience, strength, and hope on the concept of an unsuspected inner resource. Erin shares honestly and openly from the heart. She shares that she suffers from a dual diagnosis and and helps us understand how she deals specifically with that and and how she deals with sobriety. I hope you enjoy the episode. I'd like to welcome Erin R. from Stephen City, Virginia. Hi. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Would you start us off by reading the Daily Reflection? Sure. The Daily Reflection for today is an unsuspected inner resource. With few exceptions, our members find that they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource, which they presently identify with their own conception of a power greater than themselves. Uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, page 569 to 70, which is at the very end. I didn't realize that till I looked up tonight. <laughs> Continues, from my first days in AA, as I struggled for sobriety, I found hope in these words from our founders. I often pondered the phrase, they have tapped an unsuspected inner resource. How, I asked myself, can I find the power within myself since I'm so powerless? In time, as the founders promised, it came to me. I've always had the choice between goodness and evil, between unselfishness and selfishness, between serenity and fear. That power greater than myself is an original gift that I did not recognize until I achieved daily sobriety through living AA's 12 steps. Tell me, was there a special reason that you selected this reflection? You know, there was. I think it really resonated with me because when I came into AA, I was so incredibly unfaithful to so many things, but especially God. And I had a very, I was angry with God. I had, I had dealt with a lot of grief in my life, a lot of death. It felt like I was surrounded by death at some times. And I had no faith. And, and the word God was very triggering to me. And here I am today, very spiritual. God doesn't trigger me. Religion doesn't trigger me. Jesus doesn't trigger me. None of these things that I rolled my eyes at so many times, especially in early sobriety, I just know to be true. Did you have a strong conception of a higher power prior to coming into the program? I was raised Irish Catholic, and my parents are very Catholic, very conservative. And to me, I never felt a connection growing up to Catholicism. It was always uh, something I had to do. I didn't really understand what I was believing in. But also growing up Catholic, we're not really welcome to explore other options. You're just sort of handed your Catholic card and and here you go. And, you know, feel guilty if you think about doing anything else. <laughs> <laughs> so many of us have had these conceptions of God in some previous life as a punishing God. Do you feel like your conception of a higher power today doesn't have that? Or is it is it very different from your previous conception? Um, very, very different. I think my previous conception was the typical image of Jesus on the cross that you see. Um, and while that's fine, and I do believe Jesus existed, I tap into him more as like an archangel, right? Like, um, people pray to certain angels to help them find things or, um, you know what I mean? Like an archangel. So that's sort of how I view 
how I was raised with Jesus. And God was always this um, unknown man in the sky. Today, I more believe in um, like the universe and that God is somehow part of me and that like that spark that sometimes people talk about, that soul spark. And I believe that there are different realms of beings that are with us all the time. And for me, that is much more digestible and makes much more sense. And I, I believe in, you know, mediumship and, and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, that's sort of how I, you know, I connect with the spirit in many different ways on a daily basis. And it is honestly, I'm in a place that I never thought that I would be spiritually. Um, I, it, we moved out to Stephen City, me, my husband, and my kids, uh, two years ago. And the spectrum of people is very biblical. Um, I've dealt with a lot of judgment, people using the Bible to judge people. And I just don't believe that that's what it's for. I, I believe that spirituality and, and all things re- religion-based are for love. And I guess really, like when it comes down to it, that's what I believe God is. I believe God is love and compassion. And whenever you are acting out of love or acting out of compassion or acting out of doing the next right thing, as we're all so familiar with, that, that is, you're in a godlike state. The reflection talks about the conception of a power being the source. So for the conception part of it, I was pondering that earlier today because I have three little girls um, under the age of four and I look at them and I see, you know, these sweet, innocent, not shameful, not sad because of nothing um, little kids. And I think, gosh, that was me at one point. And so what could have happened to steer me away from that? Like, when did I lose that? I feel like we're conceived and we're born with this beautiful spark and with this, you know, God inside of us. And so when I came to AA and I heard, you know, you're going to first, when, when they told me you're going to figure out what your own higher power is, it was like, what? I'm Catholic. (laughs) We're not allowed to do that. Um, So that to me, it took a very long time. And honestly, I think what started me on the path of conceiving my higher power was humility. I think that's where it started. Understanding that concept took a little bit for me. But once I started having that humility and humbling myself daily, that is when I could allow that light of God back into my body and into my life, you know? It also talks about powerlessness. Tell me what powerlessness means to you. Being an alcoholic is, is being powerless in some way. I love when people ask, you know, how long have you been sober? And it's like, well, really just today. You know, I'm blessed enough to have been sober today. The first time I heard someone say that, it was so powerful because it's true. Like, we are powerless of these thoughts to drink when they sprout up randomly or, or you know, acting on your addiction, acting on your alcoholism, that is powerlessness. And and the worst part is that it's so unknown until you hit your bottom and then you're like, oh my God, all this time, I haven't been making choices. They've been chosen for me. How long have you been sober? Um, it'll be nine years in March. Well, congratulations. Thank you. What does your program look like today? Honestly, today, um, it's it's not what it looked like at the beginning. <laughs> in the beginning, I was going to AA every day. I mean, truly had such a close-knit group of 
you know, an AA family. I had a move, which was only 45 minutes from where I was living when I got sober. And the landscape of AA there was so vastly different. Um, I went to meetings there for a while. I've had two sponsors, I think, the whole time I've been sober. Um, I've worked through the steps uh, one and a half times, half before the one. And then when I moved again, I moved in that town twice. And I don't, I don't want to name it because I don't want anyone to you know, get offended by me saying it didn't jive with me. So what happened there was I was leaving meetings feeling worse than when I went to it. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Mm, it does. So I kind of really got away from going to meetings. I listen more um, to podcasts, which is why <laughs> this one is very helpful and honestly came into my life at such a great time. So I also uh, deal with dual diagnosis. I have bipolar disorder and ADD. So I have a psychiatrist. I have a therapist. So really, my program is grounded in the taking care of my mental health, mixed with my podcast, mixed with talking to other AAs. So dealing with that dual diagnosis, I know that can be a challenge. And uh, some folks that come into the program face judgment around that. Did you experience that at all? I don't know. None to my face. Um, there might have been, you know, things said behind my back. But as far as I know, one of the most powerful things that was said to me. Um, I feel like this is the second time I'm saying that, but there's so many wonderful people in AA that really have so much wisdom and insight. And I'll never forget being in this meeting and I was really struggling with my bipolar disorder. Um, I was switching medications and it, that can be a really rough and long process. And I was just feeling hopeless. So I shared about it. And this guy, you know, you're not supposed to cross talk, but he said to me, you know, from what I hear, alcoholism can't hold a candle to bipolar disorder. You're doing a great job. And I, I'm a crier. I just melted and just <laughs> into a pile of tears. You know, it's, it's the acknowledgement of like, I don't know what that's like, but that sounds really hard. And sometimes that can make all the difference in the world. That understanding. Yeah. So having just one person say that to me, and, and honestly, when where I was getting sober, there were a lot of people that were dual diagnosis. So I think I, I was really lucky in, in that aspect because it's always nice to not feel alone in what you're going through. Yeah. I think that's that's at the very core of, of AA and, and the fellowship, right? Yeah. Definitely. It's, I, I, I've said so many times, like, gosh, I really feel bad for people who aren't alcoholics in recovery because they don't get to work on themselves like we do. And it's true. Sometimes I encounter, like, you know, I try to make new friends or normal people. And it's just like, oh, man, do you want to go to an AA meeting, even though you're not an alcoholic? I think you could use it. <laughs> I don't say that every time, but I've been known to, to put it out there. So many people in my life could benefit. Uh, the program is just, it's a, it truly is a great way to live your life. It is. I mean, the constant working on ourselves, the constant acknowledgement of the humility, the humbleness of like, I did this wrong today. Tomorrow I'm going to go forward, try and do better. And that's it. That's it. You know, if everyone could say that to themselves and, and find a, a way to be grateful at the end of the day, gosh, the world would be a better place. Yeah. So what does work for you? Um, to keep me sober? Mm -hmm. Gosh, 
definitely like finding ways to be grateful. But honestly, it is knowing that I am not responsible for my first thought. That relieves so much pressure from my life to be like, for for example, this past summer, was walking outside past a restaurant, woman was sipping on a margarita and out of nowhere in my head, gosh, that looks really good. And for a second, I was like, what is wrong with you? Like, you are eight years sober. You shouldn't be having those thoughts. And then ding, the you're not responsible for your first thought popped into my head and it, it calmed me down. Like, okay, I'm an alcoholic. That's actually a normal thought for me. So let's not uh, shame myself. I love that. Be gentle with yourself. And, and I've heard that very same saying in two parts. And the first part is, you're not responsible for your first thought, but you are responsible for your first action. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't even know what just I didn't I didn't care about anyone and I didn't think anybody cared about me. Well, it says it right in the in the reflection for today. You know, in time, as the founders promised, it came to me. I've always had the choice between goodness and evil, between unselfishness and selfishness. I think, you know, on the whole, alcoholics are just naturally selfish. Do you feel that way? I do. I feel like, especially, we're also rebels. Uh, we don't like to be told what to do. Sometimes I still struggle with that in sobriety. I think, yeah, I think there is a lot of selfishness in, in being an active alcoholic. And at the same time, I hear alcoholics talk about the lack of choice that we had. And while I know that I was selfish, I don't know that without a power greater than myself, I could have had visibility into that selfishness and and been able to make you know some other choice. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think the power, finding that power the greater than ourselves, can open our eyes to so many things. Because again, it's it's the humility, it's the compassion for other people that you see, like someone going through something and knowing, it, knowing that. You don't know exactly their story, but it's kind of like giving people the benefit of the doubt, right? Like, but also like, you know, we don't crawl before anyone. I'm not going to let someone, I'm not going to enable someone. I'm not going to um, feel less than because of who I am and what has happened to me and the illnesses I suffer. That is something that also struck me in, in the reflection was the that choice. It really reminds me of the, the St. Francis of Assisi prayer. I can't quote it by memory, but that was something that struck a chord in me in this reflection too. You know, because when you find yourself getting into that dark place where you're judging, you're hating other people, and you're just allowing slowly drop by drop these dark clouds to form above your head until all of a sudden you're in a storm and you say, wait, <laughs> my higher power, please let me choose love. You know, let me choose not to judge. Let me choose compassion. Let me choose hope. Not to put, I would never put the pressure of positivity on people because I think that is a thing that's real right now. But to take that moment and acknowledge, you know, I'm in this storm, please help me. You're falling to your knees. You know, I, that is something that I was a, very much a rebel on. Like, I'm not getting on my knees in the morning. I'm not praying like that, you know, because of course I have to fight against something <laughs> in sobriety when I first got sober. But it's true. You know, there are so many different ways to, other than physically getting on your knees that you get on your knees every day and just humble yourself before whatever is out there. What do you tell the newcomer? Um, do you do you have much exposure to, to uh, folks that are just getting into sobriety? You know, I do, actually. I've helped um, my uncle. A couple friends have called me. 
uh, wanting to get sober. And actually, the three of them are still sober today, seven years later. And um, I think I listen a lot to them because, I mean, if anyone can relate to the mania that is early sobriety, I can for sure relate to that because, you know, bipolar, I get manic sometimes. (laughs) I think listening to them and, and acknowledging that, like, they're not alone and that it literally is a moment by moment time sometimes. Sometimes you're just going to, and biggest piece of advice I can give to anyone who is new in the program is your phone doesn't weigh a thousand pounds. You can dial your phone. People want to be there for you and you are worthy of allowing us. You cannot receive unless you give and you cannot give unless you receive. So let other people love you until you can love yourself. Another wonderful saying I learned in AA. Let us love you because, you you know, and, and I actually have a friend who is very freshly sober. I mean, gosh, the people who are deciding to get sober in this pandemic are true earth angel warriors, in my opinion. Like, gosh, I am, I've never been so grateful to be sober in my life than what's going on in the world right now. And, you know, I think as hard as it is for me to be on the phone late at night because of my, my little kids... I I am. I'm there for her. You know, I I just feel like it's something that I had when I was getting sober and go to a meeting, go to as many meetings as you want, you know, but you have to go every day. And I think that's sometimes a struggle with some of the people who have contacted me in the years that I've been sober. I just know for some people, I have to tell them, you can do it. Go to 90 meetings in 90 days and then call me when you do that. You know what I mean? And then you never hear from them again, or I never heard from her again. And I just, you know, keep them in my good thoughts. But sometimes you have to do that for your own mental health. Like just because I'm I'm sober doesn't mean I have to help every single person that I come across. I really trust my gut feelings when it comes to stuff like that. Some people need the tough love. And everyone has to find their own their own way ultimately. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We're not responsible for anyone but ourselves. And that's enough, let's be honest, as alcoholics. It's plenty. Well, is there anything else you want to tell the audience? We have feelings for a reason. We have been numbing those feelings for whatever reason. Don't try to figure that out now if you're new in the program, but just feel your feelings and allow yourself to do that for yourself. We have them for a reason. You need to feel them. You need to learn the spectrum of emotions and know that you don't have to drink because of that. You don't have to drink because you're sad. Honestly, the cravings for me in the beginning were worse when things were good. And I'm sure you've heard that a lot. That's going to sneak up on a newcomer. You're going to think that when things are bad, you're going to want to take a drink. You're going to want to take a drink when things are good. When things are real good, it's going to sneak up on you. So be prepared for that and know that it's okay to have those like, you know, things pop up. Just don't act or act and walk your little butt to a meeting call a friend, phone a friend. You know, and that's the other thing. I don't try to give advice. I just try to talk from my own experiences. And that is something that is very powerful that I've learned from the rooms. Like, if you just talk about your own stuff, you're going to help people. Even the newcomer, the newcomer especially, like, we need to hear from them. We need to hear people's stories. I truly believe that this girl that I'm working with and talking to right now, even though I'm not active in the program, I am serving a purpose and she is serving a purpose in my life. You know, like we all come across each other's paths for a reason. And I believe it was all pre-planned. 
Thank you so much for spending time with me. I really appreciate your message and uh, I, I appreciate your willingness to help. This podcast truly came into my life at such a perfect time. I, I don't think I was ever going to pick up a drink, but I can definitely say that those thoughts of drinking and the smell of alcohol was starting to get little tinges of smelling good lately. And this, listening to your episodes truly helps me. It really does. So you have made an impact and I thank you. Thank you so much for saying that. I appreciate it. All right, Aaron. Thanks very much. Have a good rest of your night. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Mike. Thanks for listening. This has been episode 15 and it's been an absolute pleasure and an honor bringing the voices of members of the recovery community to the world. I've created a Patreon account to help defray some of the costs associated with the podcast. You can find more information on that at patreon.com slash daily reflection. Thanks everyone. Have a great day.